Iceman cometh. Please, show some mercy. Mercy? I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Do you expect me to talk? Episode 80 of Geospace to Talk. I'm your host, Becca, and joining me in our anatomically correct rubber bat suits are Dave and Chris. How are you? I'm feeling levitastic and in, in bright neon. I don't know how to feel because I don't know what anatomically correct would actually be for me. <laughs> All the resplendent parts, including nipples. Maybe. Getting <laughs> This is, this is my abiding memory of this film, is it's like bat buns, nipples. <laughs> like bat boobs. <laughs> That's because you're shallow, Becca. You're all about bodies and shit. Well, Me and Chris were about the, the themes and like Mr. Freeze's sad loss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about creepy puns, me. So. All 27 of those puns. <laughs> oh, you can't None of them ice to see you. Ah, see? Uh-huh. I wasn't going to say it, but you said it. Huh. I'm pretty sure Robin says something similar, but he actually says, oh, na- nice. He actually says it <laughs> properly, and I was almost like, oh, that, that's a bit weird. Well, you missed an opportunity there, didn't you? <laughs> I really wonder why he didn't say that in the film. I mean, obviously it comes from McBain being a Simpsons quote, but I was kind of thinking, you really missed an opportunity not to say that line in the film. <laughs> they thought of about I'm sure Arnold's kicking puns, himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, several years later. I wish I said that line in the movie. But it amazes me out of all these creepy lines that barely any of them are actually that memorable as well. You're thinking the amount of... I know it's like maybe cheesy and a bit naff, but at least could have had a like, m- like memorable and kind of fun with it. But none of them are actually that quotable. It's just kind of... A bit naff, aren't they? It, yeah, it's just... I mean, that that's probably the most damning thing of all, really. You're kind of like hoping if we're going to do this, at least be like memorable and funny. And it and, and it just kind of you know and I'm struggling even now. I mean, I watched this film like once and uh, against with again with the Schumacher commentary. Um, I'm just struggling to see. I will try and remember any of the lines. You know, it. it you know, I am generally struggling, and it's cool and, and, party. Well, yeah, it's just yeah, like, it's cool, it, it, cool party, and that's about it, really. Yeah, and you know, obviously there's like freeze and all this. <laughs> Uh, Even some of Uma's lines as well, things like "My vines have a crush on you," and just it's just pure. Well, we'll get and... to a line later where they can't even hit what the obvious line would be. No, maybe they um, can't. They thought it, and, and, and thought, I'll, right, I'll give full credit to the that. podcast that pointed it out because I, I listened to a podcast about this show a couple of years ago, and they said, "Well, surely you would say that there," and I thought well, that's just actually really, really obvious. But we'll get to it. <laughs> We'll get there, we'll get there. Tell us about this masterpiece, Becca. Anyway, guys and girls, if you hadn't already wondered, we are reviewing Batman and Robin, starring 
George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Alicia Silverstone, Uma Thurman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Goff, and Al McPherson, Vivica A. Fox, and Coolio, if you can spot him. With a script again by Akiva Goldsman, who I think killed the franchise. Score by Elliot Goldenthal and directed by Joel Schumacher and released in 1997. And other names that I can't pronounce. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, it's not that important, really. I, can I just say, like, how pointless and thankless is uh, Elmer Pearson in this? <laughs> like, and, 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 it, it kind of really struck me how, like, how close to real life it, um, she was to George Clooney's girlfriend in real in yeah. real life. Like, you know, this is like, I mean, obviously at this time, obviously he's married it now, but for a large chunk of his, like, life, he's always been that kind of, like, de- like this kind of debonair bachelor who just ne- never settles with anyone. Yeah, he's always and, been like eligible bachelor, hasn't he? Yeah, and th- and he kind of like basically plays George Clooney, isn't it? He's like, like being ER hottie. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just like you know the whole like it's it's just about the the, the whole thing with the Mel McPherson as like, his girlfriend is just like um, you never really need to sort of settle down and commit, and then but that's pretty much all that's made of it. Yeah, very strange. It, it's just like well, what was the point of her even being in the film? There was literally... she was there for a scene where he meets Pamela Risley. And she was there at dinner with him at Wayne Manor where he's having visions of Pamela Risley. And I can't actually remember her in any other scenes. Yeah, she's. I think she's in one more scene. But th- but then I I struggled to think of what that scene was. I think it was just like a little wrap-up thing where she just pops up. But that's about it. And you think, well, what was the point of having her in the film? I mean... I, I've absolutely no idea. I mean, I, I, I would hope by 1997 that it wasn't the old Aunt Harriet thing of, like, let's put a woman in there to, like, remind us they're not gay. A, of course they're not, and B, why would it be a problem anyway? Well, it's not only that, you've got Robin, like, eyeing up, you know, uh, Alicia Silverstone anyway. Yeah. And, and and things like that, so that would set aside... Even that's really confused, though, because some... T- yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to... I'm trying to keep my powder a little dry. I mean, the fact <laughs> is... Uh, uh, <laughs> Normally we open with stuff. There are some shows that are that, where the film arrives a bit pissed, pre-piss taken, and you think, well, I don't actually know. I mean, if I rant about Batman and Robin, it's like, well, that's really easy, isn't it? I think we have to take it as red. We'll go through it and we'll say, you know, we'll take the piss out of different scenes and stuff. But I think it's fair to say it's not a very good film. None of us will say it's a very good film. So I think I'd actually like to start with what's our history with this film, if anything. Okay. I think, I mean, I think I'll, I'll go first, seeing as I have the most little history of the film. I mean, this was like the first full-on proper viewing I've had with it. I think I've only ever seen it in, like, bits and parts when it's been on TV and stuff. Um, I remember, I remember like, kind of being in, um, interested when it was announced, because it kind of came around the t- time where I started to get empire and and things like that so i start to sort of like really pick up on my movie on my uh, movie fandom kind of, kind of thing and, I was like, oh, and cool. that would be about right because you were yeah. like 14 turning 15 this year that's about right yeah. isn't it so i think probably like the year before you know like sort of i remember like it was like maybe 2006 when i started getting empire some of that and you know we're sort of looking like the upcoming films and i remember like this was like the year of the next the second pierce Brosnan film you know uh, tomorrow never dies so it was like, oh, you know, sort of interesting, like Dante's Peak and all that. And I was like, oh, you know, good, doing a new, uh, new Batman film. And it's like before that kind of like the, the switch hit. And I think there was something about the idea. I mean, I was excited. I was like interested in in the film coming out. And I think by the time the film came out, I was just 
kind of not interested. I think it must have been like an age thing where the series, and it could be down to the fact that how, you know, how it's kind of is essentially a neon version of the Adam West Batman. You know, it, it, it just didn't have me excited. I had built up any excitement. I was more interested in seeing like The Lost World and Con Air. Oh, and things like something just a little bit more adult, a little bit more. I wanted to kind of like you know. I mean, it's the same year as Face Off, and that was like the one film I really wanted to see, even though it was an eighteen. I couldn't. It was I was underage. Um, oh, yeah, that was that and Nelly Confidential. So it was things, it was things like that. And plus, we had like I think remember Heat as well that came out two thousand five. Actually, no, that's two thousand five. I'm going back a bit. I remember being really excited about that. Oh, you're a decade out there, buddy. Yeah. Um, Heat. He he came out early '96 in this country. Early '96. Yeah, I thought I, remember I was remembering '95. I think that probably was the case in America, but I think we got very, okay. I think we got it just after the new year, but it was it was one side or other because I was in the first That probably university. makes sense because that was uh, that was a film where like I was underage and I was like really excited. So that would have like been at a time where I started to get into films and kind of like, oh, this looks good. This is getting a little, this little bit of uh, attention, and I was like, so I was like, kind of, oh, I really want to see it, but I was like fourteen or something. I was like, I'm too young, um, kind of thing. So yeah, um, so it was, yeah, so it was around that sort of time where I started to grow, be more interested in more adult sort of stuff, and I think just kind of like, I like, this came around. I was like, I was like, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd watch it, but no, uh, I think I'll, I'll, I just kind of like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd wait until I. I see it on video and then never really bothered and then it time passed and then I just had no I, I I had no interest in watching it. Not in that not in a kind of like really sort of couldn't be asked of it. Just in like I you know, my eye was drawn to other things. So take that what you will. So that's kinda of where I am with it to, in terms of my history. So this is my my first actual viewing of this film. Uh, how about you guys? I will step in and probably say about the same. I think I can't remember if it was last week's film or this one. Uh, it was my first kind of like cinematic Batman viewing. Um, but yeah, it's one of these things I wasn't really like a massive filmer, but it was kind of you know burgeoning interest in film and cinema. Um, and then probably because I'm just like a few years younger, they're probably a few years later. Sort of picked up like Total Film, Empire magazines, for example. Um, but yeah, I kind of think. I don't know, I'm going to say that Tomorrow Never Dies probably was the first Bond episode at the cinema. So I'd probably say this is probably the first Batman experience at the cinema as well. Humble. I'm so I'd have to go, I, I kind of started working, <laughs> working my way backwards then. But no, I'd probably have to say the same sort of thing really. So it kind of started from here and then obviously, you know, you sort of go back and think, oh yeah, well, you know, what else do we have available in what, this franchise? What, what was your experience watching it when um, in the cinema? Can you remember? Do you, do you remember actually liking it or you remember it being like, oh, um, this wasn't actually that good? Or like, you, you kind I, of like... I, I was just kind of mesmerised by all the bright colours. <laughs> oh, okay. All the, all the Dutch shots, really. Um, like, I think it was okay. I think I kind of it took me a while to kind of get sort of criticism, as it were, and to think mm, actually that was a bit shit. Um, it, it kind of hit you just bef- you know it's you were still at a time where it was the movie, so it was all yeah, good it was all a bit regardless. New and, and plus we saw all, you know, in a tight suit. Well, what are you gonna do? So yeah. Anyway, Dave, what about you? I had not seen either Returns or Forever at the cinema. I'd, I'd, I'd caught up on them. I had seen them by this point. But I didn't care either way. I mean, I, I was by now a Batman fan, but none of the 
none of the sort of um, films had wildly impressed me at all. I'd, I'd not hated any of them, but I'd really not loved any of them either. And I went to, I, I was quite close to my cousin around this point in my life. And we used to go to the cinema a reasonable amount. And um, I went to um, something with him. And there was a trailer for this film beforehand. And I didn't really know what to make of it. Because on the one hand, it looked very action-packed, which the film is actually. But one of the, the shots I can remember from the trailer are George Clooney saying to what we, is Batgirl, that's not awfully PC, is it? And also the bit where they surf down from the rocket on the doors of the rocket. Um, so I remember my cousin saying to me, Christ, that really didn't do much for me at all. And that's kind of really all I remember. And then we ended up going to see it. And my two abiding memories of seeing it are that, firstly, I thought the first action sequence would never end. <laughs> For good or ill, it went on forever. And then I just, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was just there, you know? But there were several bits in the film that I made fun of. Not to the degree of the backlash it's had since and the way I feel about it since, but it was just, this is a bit ludicrous. And that was about it. And the more I've watched it over the years, the dafter it is. And I really don't know what to make of it in that, yeah, it's crap, by the way. There is absolutely no doubting that. But you look at Superman 4 and you think, well, with a big budget, it would have been shit. But bits of it would have been serious and at least trying. And you look at Die Another Day and you think, well, again, they, they kind of know what they're making. And I think the truth is the same here. They they know what they're making. This is deliberate. You know, the, there's no accident in making this. They had a vision of what they wanted to make. And they've made it for good or ill. Um, it's dreadful. I mean, there is absolutely no doubt about that. And as we go through it, I'm going to make an awful lot of fun of it. But it's not like they had this really great vision and botched the execution. They've actually executed very well a really dumb vision of how to make a Batman film. I don't think there's any um, real heart in the film as well, because if this was just like, you know, just a colourful toy shop of a Batman film... Um, at least there would have been a little bit of like a joy and a little bit of like, oh well, fuck it, who cares? Let's have some fun, kind of thing. And there isn't, and there isn't any of that. It just kind of drags along, and it's just a bit dull more than anything. I think, and that's that's probably the damning thing for me. Um, but in defence of Schumacher, I, I, I do get the feeling this is a lot more studio influenced. Um, I you know I heard Schumacher say he wanted to make a much more dark film. He's much more interested in wanting to make like. Um, a lot more like like the Frank Miller comics and things like that, but it was a lot more influenced by the studio and wanted to make it a lot more kid-friendly and on all this. So I think he literally was just like, oh, well, I'm just literally a hired hand here. So essentially this is a studio-made film by all accounts. Uh, I don't think there's any filmmaker vision in this other than like the Schumacher's idea of cartoon 
of, of, yeah, you sort of get the idea that this is kind of made to sell toys, yeah, and, and action figures and, and things like that. Yeah, and I think that when it comes to that, you, um, you know, no one's really got their heart in it. You know, you know, Schumacher particularly. So that's going to come out in the film, and uh, so it's not going to be. So it's not really going to come out as like a, a dumb fun watch. Like you, you can you would kind of hope from this, um, and. And yeah, I think that's that's the, the saddest thing of all, really. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I think for it, all, it's kind of bright colours and and fancy angles. There's no real, yeah, no real soul to this film. You it's kind just of, a bit of a you kind of watch it and you think, yeah, I just really don't care. You know, it's just a bit daft and a bit silly. And um, and I said at the beginning of the podcast, like Arnie's like, he, he kind of like, he, 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 I went into it kind of kind of more thinking, I'm probably going to really enjoy this because, you know. I know it's going to be shit, but I'm just probably going to enjoy Arnie just being really cheesy and saying a bunch of stupid lines. And then, like... <laughs> Punning his way through the film. Yeah, and then you just think, oh, okay, but the, that's not even good. You know, and and I'm a big Arnie fan myself, so, like... So, having Arnie on screen, having fun, does appeal to me. At least I'll go, like, well, at least I'll get that out of it. And Arnie, for... for, for God bless him. He, I mean, he is the only one that actually seems to be giving it a hundred percent here, and even he's handicapped by the dialogue and everything else. And you know, he, he, even he can't he sort of make his role work. Really, it's just it's you know it's yeah it's it's it, it it's just a bit dull, <laughs> and that's the worst thing about it. It is, and uh, you know, when you watch, I, I always remember watching. It's just occurred to me, actually. I remember watching Room 101 when it first started, which for any foreign listeners is is based on the Orwell sort of concept of Room 101, where you'd have a presenter and a celebrity, and that celebrity would be talking about the things they really hate. Yeah, so basically um, all the kind of worst things, things that you don't like. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. You can nominate to go into Room I've 101. literally just watched uh, not long ago uh, 1984. <laughs> so, oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh. Um, how about that? Obviously, in 1984, it's rats, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but um, Maureen Lippman appeared on it really early on. I think it was back in the sort of Nick Hancock era, mid-90s. What happened to him? Jeez. Uh, anyway, that's remember. by the by. Well, he, went and, he went and became like a mortgage broker or something. He, he left show. Oh, he just didn't fancy doing TV anymore. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, um, Maureen Lippman went on it, and she tried to put in um, Carry On Columbus. Oh. Um, which she was in which was a carry-on film they made in 92, about 16 years after the last one. And she was talking about how when you know you're in something shit and it's a comedy, you kind of just put on as many ticks as you can to try to be funny. And I watch Uma Thurman in this and think, yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> they, can't, they must know they're in shit. They must know they're in a terrible, terrible piece of work. I don't know if George Clooney had any feel for the character at all, and we'll get to what I mean in that in a minute. Uma Thurman, whatever you think of her, I've enjoyed her in a couple of things, and she was awful in this. Really, really awful. And um, I think I said last week when we covered Batman Forever that it's very easy to confuse those two in that they look a bit similar. And, And in my opinion, they're both crap. I mean... Batman Forever has its defenders, and and I understand why, but I don't like it very much. So, but it's easy to make it sound worse than it is because of this film. 
if you watch them back to back, there's just no comparison. This is just aimed at like 100 plus IQ points less. It's really, really bad. And only by talking it through and, and going scene to scene as we will in a minute, can you really unpick how bad this was. It deserved to kill a franchise. Um, and, it, and it didn't really need to be a Batman film either. In the, I know there's different interpretations of Batman, but they've handed Joel Schumacher a popular franchise and said, make it toyetic, which is the word they used. In other words... That's a word. It's not <laughs> it a word, now. but <laughs> they made it a word. You know, it's let's an official sell, word. Let's sell toys off the back of this. Um, yeah. Well, they've been trying to do that since Batman Returns, to be fair. But it's it's so easy to go, well, comic books, kids love them, great toys. But when you think of, of Batman, it doesn't suit this at all. No, it's, it's um, the wrong kind of tone. I mean, we've had like the kind of the dark gothic elements of um, of the earlier films, um, and this kind of goes more towards the kind of like bright colours or maybe campy elements of like Adam West sort of series, for example. But it's I, kind of I, almost I, in the other, other direction. I, I think I think that's an insult to Adam West, though. And I don't. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean him specifically. that era. No, of, I don't know. think you're insulting Adam West. I don't no, mean. No, sorry, that. I didn't mean like that. But I kind of meant in terms. No, I think that's what the film is trying to do. But if you actually watch a few episodes of the 60s series, and as I said at the time, it works out its welcome quite quickly with me, but it's very nodding and winking, but it's also quite satirical. Yeah. um, And when you watch this, it's just really dumb. There's no brain to it at all, is there? No. I I think there is no doubt that I I would take the Adam West take over this any day. No problem at all. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, um, um, definitely. What What do you think of Clooney? Uh, do you think he was actually he potentially was a good one, just in a crappy film? Or do I think... don't think he got Batman at all. I think, I mean, George Clooney is Bruce Wayne. I mean, you just you know you think very rich, bit of a playboy, less so now because married with children and all the rest of it. But, is he Batman? You know, an intelligent, yeah, exactly. And I remember. Um, and it's on the special features, but I remember it from the time as well. But George Clooney was saying that the first version of the script he um, read, he said, oh, they still had things about his parents in there. And come on, he's 35 and he's rich and, you know, and his life's great. You know, he's past that now. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I can understand not every Batman film can have him going, my parents, because I think that would be pushing it. But that is at the heart of everything Batman then goes on to do through his entire career. So the idea of Clooney going, oh, come on, surely you must be past that by now, tells me, well, you've kind of missed the point. His very first, not his first words in the Batsuit, but his first words to, like, Freeze are, hi, Freeze, I'm Batman. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, God, you ridiculous. remotely changed your voice. He wasn't very comfortable in the suit. He wasn't very good in the film. He knows he wasn't very good in the film, but this is a hard film to be good in. I did think it was a bit weird. I think so far, of all the actors that we've seen so far to play Batman, he's the one who doesn't speak in a low register when he's got the bat suit on. He's not. He's not in keeping with the Michael Keaton tradition. Oh, he doesn't do like a gruff voice. Kind right. of thing. No, it just sounds sounds the same, or to me anyway. I didn't really notice a big change. As I much. don't think he put anything different on. No. Um, he didn't go hi. Oh. Then he didn't go hi. Yeah, but no, but no one thought to even 
direct him in that way though. It was, it was just it was just kind no. of like it doesn't really yeah. have much kind of in terms of lines of dialogue, pretty much. I mean, he's in terms of George, I think he's very charismatic to look at for sure. But um, yeah, I can believe him as Bruce Wayne, but I found him more difficult, more challenging I so far as Batman. A, I think he had a sweetness as Bruce Wayne actually. When you mm. watch his scenes with Alfred, there was yeah. a softness, a kindness. Yeah, there that, that yeah, we hadn't really actually seen scenes. in the role before. I, I liked him as Bruce Wayne, actually. Um, mm. yeah, and yeah. when, when they said they were casting him, uh, the thing is, you know, he was 35 at the time. He was already starting to very lightly grey. And I just thought, that's perfect. You know, he's like, Batman, in my head, is always about 35. And um, so Chris becomes Batman next month. <laughs> um, that's how it works. No, no pressure there then. Bruce that is going to have a full Batman. Um, but Batman's always about thirty-five, so he's perfect casting. A little bit older, a little bit wearier. Uh, the whole point of trying to like protect, you know, Robin from himself. He should have been perfect casting. You know, George Clooney should be about as good as it gets in this role, but it didn't work. I mean, he does. Yeah. He does suffer that like. I think what you were saying about Fal Kilmer last week, like, regardless of what his suit is in, he'd still be like, oh, that's George Clooney. Well, I think it was really, really marked with Val Kilmer because the cow was just so shaped to his face. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't have any problems going with well, yeah, that, that's him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, but I suppose that's like picking, but especially in, in a film that's going to be as light as this. But, um, yeah, he is... I do get you saying he is quite a soft. Um, I have some really nice scenes with Alfred and Alfred uh, Michael Gove as well. Uh, Michael Gove, Michael Gove. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Gove would be a terrible Alfred. Jesus oh, Christ! Alfred. My, Michael Gove. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Uh, I think I just pissed off. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. No. There you go. Scenes we'd like to see Michael Gove as Alfred. No, thank you. Yeah, but, but again, again, he's pretty. He's pretty Michael Goff is pretty good in it, though. Uh, I'm, you know, I, again, I must admit, he's probably one of the best things in it. Uh, and for, for what I said about um, Arnie, um, he is committed. I mean, I remember being on the Big Breakfast at the time, um, uh, promoting the film. Oh yeah, and, I remember that. And I remember like sort of like the, the, the bit where he was playing the action figures, and like he had, obviously he had Mister Mister Freeze, and you know, playing with Batman. He was like kind of. Slightly for comedic effect, but he was really getting to the characters like, I will crush you, Batman! I will destroy... He was really getting into it, and like, you know, and it's like what Dave was saying like about Barney's, like, uh, like what um, what Cameron has said, that he's always professional, he always shows up on time, and, you know, and for what for whatever it was, he, I mean, he must have really got behind this film, either for whether he had an actual passion for it, or it's just being professional. But, you know, he did really try. You know, he did really sort of go in there and, and try. You never so... get the shitty interview with Schwarzenegger because he's had no sleep or something's happened in his life. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I, I can find people, I mean, Barry Norman, who passed last week, was no fan of Schwarzenegger, not only as an actor, but as a man. But by and large, everyone's um, professional engagements with him are very positive. Yeah, well, he's always a very charismatic screen, um, screen presence, and he's he's worked hard to get to where he is. And I think what one of the things why I think people still kind of like him, why he still has this aura of like of 
of presence and, and, and why, why people continue to like him is because of the fact that he still works hard. He's still engaged with people. He's still friendly with people. You know, he's, he, 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 does the, he does that celebrity thing that he's supposed to do and he doesn't sort of have any issues with it. He seems to want to be there. You know, he's 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 still kind of friendly with everyone. He's he he jokes. He, he, he you know he's he gets behind stuff about you know. So he's he's a very likable presence, regardless of what you think of him personally. Uh, and he and he really does. And he, he's worked hard to to get where. I mean, the guy has achieved things that it, that you wouldn't even think of. I mean he is a living embodiment of the American dream, so to speak, you know, someone who Yeah, pretty much. Who, who moved from a completely different country from nothing and worked his way up to being pretty much as high as you can get. You know? By lifting things. Yeah, well you know, <laughs> all start from lifting things and, and, and just move and just moving up, you know. I mean that there's a funny thing as there was a funny um sketch uh, uh Bill Bird did uh, a few years ago. I don't know if you if you've if you know it, but um, just YouTube it. It's 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 pretty funny, but also it, it does bring a good example of just like of what this guy has achieved from nothing, even though it's from a comedic kind of thing. It, it, you know, it does talk about like fucking the maid and all that stuff, <laughs> but it does establish that. So, you know, but it's um, but it's pretty it's pretty funny how like it goes from like sort of start from lifting things. And it's like you know. <laughs> Comes a champion. What are you gonna do next? What are you gonna do next, Arnold? I'm I'm coming an actor. There's no fucking way you're gonna come in Hollywood actor, Arnold. <laughs> Becomes like the biggest selling actor of all time. <laughs> he just moves moves on <laughs> up. <laughs> Keeps going. So yeah, I mean, like you know, you have to give respect to Arnold when it comes to things like this. Definitely, definitely. I think out of, out of the whole entire cast, I would probably say he's having the most fun on this film. But I still um, think he's fucking terrible in it, by the way. But he. I, yeah, he didn't I get the best performance, but he's I just having I don't too much actually, of a ball at the time. Yeah, I think there's that. I think that maybe it's projection, as I've talked about before. When you know a certain something about a film, you twist the facts to fit what you think you know. And, you know, this film is miserable. George Clooney hated being in it and isn't very good in it. So now when I watch it, I tend to think I can see he's not enjoying it. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But certainly when I look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, I doubt he's got any particularly bad memories of this film. I think he only spent like something like six weeks shooting or something. It wasn't very long, was it? Oh, almost every time you see him, it's not him. They're, no, there's a lot of stuff going on. They didn't have a lot of time with Arnold Schwarzenegger or a lot of days or a lot of money. No, they, he's very busy. Um, yeah, they, they kind of just... Yeah, they, they got... Um, Whenever they didn't need his face, it, they tried not to use him. Um, there's a there's a bad factor who was the original choice, though, supposedly. It wasn't Arnold. I think Arnold no. was. We'll get to that. I, I, I don't know if they were... Yeah. I, I don't know if, if Becca had it for bat facts or not. We'll get that. Hulk Hogan? No. No. <laughs> Hulk Hogan? What? what? Hulk Hogan is Mr. Freeze? Freeze, brother! Freeze? I'm fucking my mate's wife. <laughs> oh. And I have a few back facts, but they don't involve that unfortunately, because I thought that was too obvious. So anyway, you can go ahead and go ahead and spoil that one. Fine. Uh, <laughs> shall we discuss this film sequentially? Oh, if we must. <sighs> so who wants to start then? Well, okay, we start with Bat Butts, Becca. <laughs> Bat Butts. Yeah, we do. Well, this is. <laughs> When I think about Man of Robin, this is this is what I think of. Obviously, you've got like the various, the, you know, new bat suits. Obviously, because it's 
it's you know the sort of mid to the end of the 90s now so everything's kind of sleek and sort of leather and you've got a little bit of obsession coming through but we see like sort of like you know arms legs bums you know and it's, and it's all done with this sort of like whoosh, whoosh, leather pieces like, sort of like, sound like sort of like noises like so sort of, that cave suddenly turned into an snm dungeon or something <laughs> well, it just echoes the last film. It, it is similar, but the difference is it's Batman and Robin this time. But I, I joked about the dry ice last time, but this time, like the Redbird or whatever it's called, Robin's bike, is entombed in something that has neon fucking Robin signals in it. It is. Cool. Oh, it's so. Oh, fuck, really? Is it? It looks, it looks really tacky, I must say. It does look pretty tacky. It just comes across as a bit like. I mean, Robin comes as just a bit perfectionate. It's like. I want a car. You know. Yeah, he's a bit of a sport about it. He's like, I want a car. Chick dig the car, you know. And I was like, that's not even his Batman's line. I'm just getting very frustrated by this But again, it's meant to echo the Val Kilmer line from last week. This is why Superman works alone. Yeah. And I don't think I've just delivered it any worse than George Clooney did. No. (laughs) And also, there's there's a whole strain, obviously, as as we do know with these Batman movies, there's a whole strain running through about... um, family interest and things like that um and this kind of sets up for the whole a little bit of distrust between batman and robin and you know will they won't they kind of thing and i don't think <laughs> well, they won't they well, well not, not will they won't they but obviously obviously as they end up as a as a trio with Batgirl at the end um but i think that's one particular thread that's not followed through very well it's not well thought out um so I'm just going to say that that's another fault for the film for me, unfortunately. It's just the whole poison ivy thing with the, the fact that oh no, she loves me. You just want you just want to get in the way. It's like no, of course not. That is oh. so fucking contrived. I mean, oh. I know she's don't say. in their head, but like. I do like um, the wax lips though. The rubber lips are quite cool. Yeah, but, but anyway, the, 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 the joking aside, the no pun intended, the kiss offline is fucking dreadful. Yeah. And that's the one where another podcast went well. Obviously, the line would be, and um, yeah, we'll get to that. So yeah, they all gear up. He he has his bike. Uh, he's he's start. He's looking a bit ill. Um, I mean, I don't know how old he was at the time, but, but he, yeah, they kind of they sort of sow seeds that um, Alfred might be killed off. Well, it, it kind of does. It kind of hints that he's going to die. Um, though it, it's kind of a funny one to kind of do with Alfred because you can't be, be you know with all due respect, you know. Alfred is like an elderly guy, so you know you kind of think, well, how much life has he got left? You know, so you know the prospect of Alfred possibly dying might be not a very pleasant one, but a possible logical one, if that makes sense. For plot reasons. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, you know, it did strike me as as, as a little bit. Um, well, what was what's what's the how much life are you actually saving here? You know, I mean, to to save Alfred, what you know, the the, the big mission to. Well, I mean, he might he might live another ten to fifteen years, and in fact, I think yeah. that's more or less what he did because this is ninety seven, and Michael Goff I think died in about eleven. But I agree in that. I know, I know it sounds a little bit heartless, that, but <laughs> no, 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 I don't take it that way, Chris. Mm. It isn't that his life isn't worth saving. I don't think. I think it's the fact that if you set this up as an, oh, my God, the natural reaction is, well, he's, he's getting old. This is not this is not going to turn anyone's world upside down. It's to be expected to a degree. Yeah. 
I, I guess. And at the end of the day, you know, it's an easy one as well because I think everyone likes Alfred. You know, he's he's oh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's more or less the heart and soul of the group. So I would imagine from that aspect, yes, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's just being with my cynical hat on. Is this where he also says we'll cancel the pizza? Because <laughs> yeah, he can't written down and he's clearly never had one. Uh, I'll cancel you don't have pizza, pizza in England, don't you know? <laughs> and they head off, and what I love about this is is the bit. Where, Doesn't uh, that bit just make you cringe though? Like <laughs> it's like yeah, it's, it does. It, it's like well, it's like you, see, watching your mum and dad just try and say something that you just think like, you know, no, don't even try and. The worst okay. thing is when you don't correct them immediately. Yeah. Because my mum has been saying steroids as steroids for about 30 years now. And it's just too <laughs> fucking late. I can't say no, anything. No, it's steroids. I, I can't really Dave, say no. Dave, I think, I think there's just some things that just will, will just stick regardless of what you do. I like, you but know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I cringe only when... I don't cringe about him saying it wrong, given his age. Um... I do think that it's another thing where you just think the director says, try try it as pizza. Try it again, pizza. You know, actors are used to this. It, it's not patronising to to well, say, can we have it again like I, this? I, 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 I generally thought, it, you know, it, it it's probably deliberate. Well, as in, yeah, okay, yeah. it's British and out of touch. Yeah, well, kind of. It's like, you know, can you ever imagine Alfred, like, ever... Ordering the pizza, or ordering the pizza, will be something that's completely like foreign to him. So, okay. so for... I thought it was a bit like um, in Golf where Sean Connery goes eyes. Nazis instead of Nazis. <laughs> what did you say, Becca? It's similar to Goldfinger, um, where Sean Connery says Nazis instead of Nazis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's loads of examples. You say of tomato. That. <laughs> Let's yeah. call the whole thing. You up. say tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. Hamburgers, but there's no ham in these. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> but moving along, they hot get dog. You vehicles. eat dogs. <laughs> they they get on their they get in their vehicles, which I just found hilarious. The whole fucking red wing thing. But as he drives off, they've obviously just been <laughs> the bat signal, so they head off and they don't know the little video saying there's a new villain. <laughs> Mr. Freeze, and I'm thinking, Christ, you haven't even got an organic way to introduce this. <laughs> Poor Pat Hinkle, that's what you've been villain. reduced to. There's a new villain in town, Batman. <laughs> well, thanks for that. We, we, we couldn't have guessed. <laughs> I mean, like... He changed his name from Commissioner Gordon to Commissioner Exposition. Yeah, I suppose like, he's all he's there for, really. And he's... Uh, exposition. And he's wearing police uniform in this one. He's, like, in a full-on... Kitted out outfit. It's not in a, a grubby, uh, well, not grubby, but he's not in a suit like he you was didn't previously. Think Nicole Kidman, I'll stick on the uh, pajamas. No. <laughs> yeah. Sex okay. things up a bit. So he's at. They're at the Natural History Museum or something, aren't they? And it he, cuts to freeze. Yeah, he's there to steal a big diamond because it, it it charges his suit. Um, yeah, I don't know how much energy there are in di- there is in diamonds. But okay, he wears a diamond-powered laser yeah. suit, something to keep it. It's the plot zero of Die Another Day. It's it, fucking hell. Oh, well, that's changed my mind. It must be superb. Then. No wonder it's so bad. The plot's borrowed from Die Another can you, Day. Can you just imagine how, like, what what effect? I mean, like, how much? Char- I mean, what happens to the diamond when when you use when you use up all the, all, all the batteries? You're just like, oh well, that's. What's well, so it just going to look like a crinkled up crisp packet or something? 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, no I mean, like, a, a, it's like well, it must be like really expensive. How much is this costing like the world as well? Because I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what would happen if like you had some random person taking like something that's quite highly valuable. Uh, I've no idea. What made me laugh about this is well, there's lots of things about this film that you just go, oh my god. Firstly, the first look at him, I just thought, oh god, this is so garish. Uh, but the second thing is, they drag a guard in front of him to beg for just to beg for mercy, purely so he can get the pun out that the police leaves him cold. Um, and then he fires the ice gun, which looks like—I mean, I don't know if this is CG or what. Obviously, the effect is, but when they're encased in it afterwards, it just looks like the most cheapy plastic bollocks. And the thing is that this film cost 125 million dollars. Last week's cost 100 million. Now, Arnold got about 23, so that will probably explain some of the difference. But again, this is a significant budget for 1997, and it looks a bit cheap. Yeah, it... Or it looks... Or, no, let me put it a different way, sorry. It looks expensive, but it looks tacky. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you mentioned... Um, I can't remember when you did, but... Uh, well, it might have been the last podcast. It's like, like Dolly Parton quote of... Um, it, it costs a lot to look this cheap. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Batman comes through the uh, skylight, which Joe Schumacher seems to like. Yeah, he likes a bit of skylight. And he he? lands on top of, like, not a skeleton, not, not, you know, recovered fossils, but some plastic fucking stegosaurus or something. And he goes, hi, Freeze, I'm Batman. Doesn't change his voice entirely. <laughs> and when I, I, I think I think it's a lot more casual on that. It's like, hi, Freeze. Hi, Freeze. I'm, I'm Batman. I know. All right. And the thing is, as well, it's shot in close up, and he's looking straight ahead, and he must be looking at something that's four feet away from him. And when you get the wide shot, he's hundreds of feet up in the air, miles away from Freeze, and Freeze watches him skid down the fucking spine of this thing, and head towards him to kick him over. This is shit. It it just... I mean, I don't know about you, Becca, but to me, it just felt like I was watching Batman on Ice, this whole sequence. It just felt like you were there at Disney, you're watching, like, uh, a, a kid, like a, a stage show designed for, like, fun for all the family, uh, and, you know, it's like Batman versus Mr. Freeze, so it's actually, it's like, everyone's on their ice skates, they play a bit of ice hockey. It just feels like, really... It feels like a show. yeah. I mean, it, I mean yeah. the whole stage element as well, it looks very... Sta- I mean, well, it is a stage. It's all... Well, it is a stage. But I, I take what you mean in that my expectations would be different if I went to see some arena show with my children. I don't have kids, as you probably know by now. But as we go to, like, you know, you go to something with your kids and you see him skate down a massive back of some dinosaur, fly through the air and kick them over. It'd probably be wire work. But you'd be impressed in that arena, I think, with it. Oh yeah, but context it, it is everything. It needs to all be about the the stunts and the wire work, as you say, rather than the plot or you know the defeating of the villain by the hero, for example. But yeah, it does feel to me like as if you are going to watch Batman on Ice, um, and they're just doing a few cool stunts. But yeah, just it looks very cheap, very tacky. Um, the high freeze, I'm Batman bit is probably, I imagine, for the trailer. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was, yeah. Uh, let's well, say the best bits. <laughs> that was that was a worrying sign in the trailer. I was like, oh dear, 
<laughs> like I say, I'm not the biggest fan of the Bale Batman, for example, but... Oh, you, no. you never hear him go, I being, I'm Batman. You know. Well, no, because... <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, no, I take what you mean. And, and of course, Robin comes bursting through the door, leaving the Robin fucking symbol as the perfect shape in the door. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I, found that, I found that quite amusing. Quite amusing. Yeah, I think you kind of know what you're involved in that happens, don't you? You just kind of right. It's okay. very much cartoon, didn't you? I mean, because you know, before before shouting action, Joel Schumacher was like, "Okay, remember, kids, this is a cartoon. This is the look we're going for. Go for it." Yeah, and um, I mean, George Clooney was saying you can't hear anything, you can't move. You know, you kind of put in the suit on like a board and then sort of leaned forward. This isn't good, but this does start an action sequence that, although I think it's terrible, and cut in with bad lines, uh, goes on for ages. And when it finishes, I genuinely didn't know how to feel about the film first time I saw it because it was terrible, but they'd thrown so much effort at it, you know? I mean, they tap their heels together and they've got skates in their boots. Because this must come up every day, where you've suddenly got like an ice rink. And bear in mind, they weren't told it was Mr. Freeze until they were on the way. So it's not like, oh, it might be something icy there. <laughs> I'll, put, um, I'll put on my butt ice suit. And then basically he says, I'll get the, you get the ice, I'll get the ice man. Meaning Robin, go and get that fucking diamond back and I'll go and sort out Mr. Freeze. They end up... Oh, it's the hockey team from hell. That's the best line they could come up with when there was a hockey team there. It's um, the hockey team from For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. <laughs> Although not as gritty as Sir Rog. No. Um, and then they, they, they call up... I'll tell you what I thought of when I saw this film this time. Was the second... Um, uh, the second Fantastic Four film. By the second, I mean the second in that Tim Story series in the 2000s, not the second in total. Um, in the the film starts with Mister Fantastic and whatever she's fucking called getting married, and he the, the wedding gets put off while they save the world, and she's really upset about that. Like we as the audience are supposed to be going, where are your priorities? <laughs> <laughs> right, and I feel a bit like that about this film in that like Robin uh, Batman ends up getting like fucking frozen very very carefully to the sides of the fuck inside of this like rocket thing and when Robin turns up like uh, Batman's going on at him about like betraying orders are, are we supposed to buy into this family fucking drama given Batman was totally fucked at the point where Robin turned up and it's all just very campy, isn't it? I mean, it's, I, I, Robin just comes across as a little bit kind of petulant, like that annoying teenager. Um, doesn't work on the twenty-five-year-old as well, does it? No, no, it it, it doesn't. I mean, like, I, I I get they do the best to kind of sympathise with like Batman's kind of like keep pushing him aside and things like that. But then, with him acting like a bell end all the time, we kind of don't really blame Batman. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, they do. I mean, he does save him in a rocket. I mean, but by the way, Mr. Freeze jumps in a rocket. By the way, uh, halfway through the this sequence. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah, get... Rob Batman gets in there and he ends up being supposedly frozen by the wrists to the side of the wall. But there's two things about that. Firstly, freeze appears. Why, why did you just firing. freeze him? Well, freeze... Freeze also, not only that, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the obvious point, but that's a bit James Bond slow dipping mechanism. Yeah. But also, <laughs> he, freeze, he, he fires the freezing gun at him totally indiscriminately. And when you get the reverse shot of Batman, it's like he's done it with a fucking surgeon's scalpel. It's so fucking like, accurate. And the other thing is, you can see, certainly with the left hand, I don't know about the right, but I noticed it with the left hand, you can see where Clooney's put his hand through the mould and just over the top. There's no way that looks like he was frozen into it. They built a mould on the wall and he's put his hand in. It's, it's like, it should have had that Homer Simpson thing, you know, where, where Robin guts in, he's like, are you just holding onto the ice? Oh, oh <laughs> <laughs> you're just holding onto the sweets. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love the fact that they're there to stop this thing exploding because it will destroy Gotham. And they do that by letting it uh, exploding it over Gotham. Can oh. you spot the flaw in their plan? <laughs> hmm. Yes, but it's done dead high up. No one really notices. Uh... This thing blows up. Yeah, it's really high and then up, they blow it up. It'll be fine. Uh, I don't get it. But anyway, Freeze comes out and with like the vulture's wings or something. And um, yeah, they, they, is terrible. yeah, and then they surf down on the doors, which was in all the trailers. Yeah, I mean that that was like kind of the ending shot, wasn't it? Was the thing exploded? And... Cowabunga! Yeah, it's a bit. It's a wonder they didn't put you know California girls or something over the top of it as a backing track. Well, it didn't have Roger Moore in it, and um, <laughs> and uh, John Glenn directing. I like John Glenn, but yeah, California. Uh, you're thinking of yeah, yeah. Start of a view to a kill. kill. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to put in all the Bond references and attempt to uh, to make this film it better than it is. Better, uh, actually, I think this is worse than the worst Bond film. Oh, <gasps> and this is worse than Die Another Day. But we'll yeah, get might, to later. You, is they're it, on the same level. Is, is it worse than Octopussy? Yeah, of course it is. Octopussy is a perfectly competent film. It just had an older Bond, and I get bored by it. Is it worse but than Never Seen Ever Again? Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Say never again. I quite enjoy. Is it worse than Diamonds Are Forever? Uh, I'd yes. rather watch it than Diamonds Are Forever because it's a lot of laughs. But um, yes, of course it is. I, think I probably Diamonds watch are... Diamonds Are Forever than this. I, I, I... Diamonds Are the Days. It's closest equivalent because it's totally over the top and loads of money thrown at like. Yeah, it's over the top. Very cartoonish. Lots of bright garish colours. Uh, lots of ice. Uh, lots of diamonds. But that's a Bond film turned up to like fifteen, not not eleven. Um, this bears no relation to a proper Batman film. They've completely fucking lost touch with reality on this in every single way. Um, Robin ends up getting frozen, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, by being like, over-eager. Icy prison. What was he trying to do? Because when you watch him get frozen, he appears to be throwing himself to the floor. Now, I think the point is he's supposed to be diving at freeze, but he's several feet away and way too low. Right. I guess, but I mean, if if I was going to defend it, I would say being kind of frozen part way through help, uh, helped in that kind of way. You know okay. what I mean? It, like, yeah. had, had Mr. Freeze not shot, I think he probably would have would have like had a bit more. He, he would have jumped uh, further and higher, but ha- like having like already he was just of... lifting off. Yeah, all right, okay, fair enough. I'll buy that. But uh, that, but that, that uh... that's my best defence I mean not and, and this is where Akiva Goldsman uses his soon to be Oscar winning ability to seed future plot points 
by us finding out that it all, he's got 11 minutes to save Robin. So if you're frozen, as long as you're dipped in some warm goo, within 11 minutes you'll be all right. <laughs> well, it's the kind of it's the old you know countdown to um, to create tension, isn't it? There's yeah. there's a countdown. It's, seed- got- it's seeding the final the the, late, the last action sequence of the film, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be an echo of that later on. Okay. Is it around the time... Now, I seem to recall, because I haven't watched this for a while. (laughs) Um, I seem to recall... Isn't it here we find out about Freeze's background? Because I seem to remember Robin was still wearing something to warm himself up while Bruce explains. Yeah, there is... um, Like... I mean, before that, you get introduced to um, Poison Ivy. Uh, is that before that? Is it? Yeah, there's a scene where uh, Poison Ivy is introduced, and that sort of you get the setup where she's like working as a uh, for crazy that crazy scientist, and they're working on this oh, like venom God. for the plants. What um, do you think of this, folks? Cringe, cringe, cringe. Um, I quite like I like her um, animatronic plants, though. I think they're pretty cool. For all the CG that you get in today's films, I must admire this film's um, in-camera effects and sort of animatronic. Yeah, model work. It does go model for work. It. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I do like that a lot. Um, what, what did I see? Oh, um, this is just a sort of a, a recent sort of thing. Um, the film club that I belong to. We saw um, the forties uh, original Beauty and the Beast, and obviously that was you know for wartime audiences and I was thinking for you know a film of, of limited budget from that era the amount of obviously they had to be very creative with the effects that they had and I think the amount of like in-camera effects um like reverse photography um and sort of time lapse and things like that I think was, was really clever and I do you know so there's so much that can be done with CGI these days um like for example the um, Planet of the Apes movies which we'll get to is, is a good example of that but I do like this film I do admire a lot of in-camera effects and also physical vehicles and physical effects that are used rather than like CGI, for example. Um, but that's just my one. That's one of the one very few plus points I like about this film. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> no, well, you know, you have to find some positives, haven't you? I know it's <laughs> difficult. Some, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in a haystack. yeah. The, the, the model work is good, but the problem is you don't get a good scope of like. Gotham no. itself, you just get like like a series of structures, which is like which is nice to look at, but you get no sense of you get you no know, sense of Gotham itself, um, which which is a I suppose kind of lacking. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we get introduced to the the crazy scientist, and he then making making plants, and he makes um, he's trying to make the the Bane guy the playing. The Bane plant uh, take yeah. on, but on character, uh, and then then we go back to the cat back cave, and we see like kind of similar to um, last week with like we we get the origin of the villain done through a TV clip, while uh, as Batman's watching it. Oh yeah, you could uh, you could totally say there's a formula being laid down. This is the worst health and safety in human history. It really is. It's almost. I think we almost kind of see that in Star Wars as well, the Death Star. You know, they. Well, they just stood by the. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. At least that. At least you know that ray is going in a straight line and it doesn't pass where you are. This guy is stood by some random dials, Doctor No style, with his back 
to a vat of chemicals with no guardrail. They randomly spark and he falls into it. And then the CCTV camera suddenly flips to over him. <laughs> and he's coming. <laughs> you know. in, in the arm. He's going, away. he's going, oh, what, Dave? That. Do that again. <laughs> and this is where yeah, it is north yeah, rather yeah. than south, you see. Get it in stereo. It was, this is really fucking funny. I, I just, it, it's not meant to be. It's supposed to be showing you his origin. And it's just one of the most hilarious videos I've ever fucking seen. The thing is, though, like, there, there is potential with Mr. Freeze. You know, the fact that this is, like, a brilliant scientist who actually has something, you know, we can all relate to. And, it's more, and it could be morally ambiguous as well, couldn't it, Chris? Yeah, I mean, like... He's just trying to get his life back and his wife. Yeah, he, he, he's what he's doing is out of kind of love. He's basically just an old, big, soft romantic, and he just... He's just kind of lost touch with humanity and he just wants to kind of find a cure and and he and all he needs he needs to sort of do the crime stuff so he can get diamonds so he can so he can survive to continue his work to find a cure for this disease as well, you know. It's and it's driven him mental in the uh... Yeah, so there is like a way to actually have a really good villain that's actually complex and you're actually but, you know sympathetic yeah. for you know you I, kind of I don't understand. think that's Arnold Schwarzenegger though is it I, I think that's a bit unfair Somewhere I mean no I'm, 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 there, Chris I'm, really I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to slag him here I'm just saying that when you put it the way you just put it would he really be your first choice uh it depends I mean I to be honest I generally do think he he could do it um, obviously, you know, there, there are better actors out there, but I do think he has something in him that, you know, you, like, a, whether it be a better script, a different director... Script has a lot to do with it, because they've, hi- they've the hired Arnie and his puns, well. Yeah, they could have, you know, they could have got something out of him. I, I do think he, Arnie is a better actor than, than he gets credit for. Um, no, I, I tend to agree, Chris. I think a lot of the problem is you, you look at... I mean, there's a scene a bit later on. Maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe this is all we need to say about it, where he's watching his wedding video. Um, and that could be really touching. But then he freezes someone and says, I hate it when people talk during the movie. <laughs> and I'm thinking of all the times where you just, like, don't do the part, and that's the point, where you don't do yeah. the part. Any sort of shred of character security or kind of... Um... I don't believability is undone by these terrible puns. Yeah, but I, I love it. I, um, Poison Ivy's genesis, where she actually comes out of the ground and describes exactly what's happening to her. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's quite impressive. My blood is being my skin is becoming chlorophyll. Yeah, and well, then how else will we know? Yeah, how, how, unless you don't tell us, how will we know what is happening to you? <laughs> I know. I know, I get why, but it's just so fucking lazy. Well, I, yeah, no, it's just it's been... the only like, time in the film she kind of looks a bit sexy. She looks a bit ridiculous later on. But actually, I love her costumes. Oh, my life. I do at this stage, but later on less so. But obviously, Bane um, is just a plant venom used that, you know, he's sharing a lab. They were shut down by Wayne Enterprises, we find out later, because he's crazy. Um, the guy that plays Bane in his fully hulked out state... Jeep Swanson. <laughs> he, he died about two months after the film was released. Hmm. Uh, heart did, failure. But... Did you see a preview or something? I do wonder if that was it. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I mean, Bane has always been um, smart. 
So this I think the thing that the, um, the Tom Hardy version that we see that we'll be seeing very shortly um, is probably one of the better. Yeah, hey, Dave Brinkett's great take on the character. I mean, the Super Hulked out roided element they've kind of got right, but Bane's meant to be a bit smarter than that. Yeah, he's a bit of a blunt instrument here, isn't he? I think next week, um, later on, in, well, when we see him again, he'll be a, a, bo- yeah. a, bo- <laughs> a bit better than what he is now. Her- He'll be very smart next next time we see you. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, essentially they just go after, like, a henchman-type character, so they kind of looked at what there was and thought, oh, right, there's a Bane guy, because he, he was still, like, a fairly new character as well, so... I didn't need the subtitles on this time. Well... So I could understand, what is he? Well, he doesn't have a line of dialogue, does he? No, he doesn't. He's just... Uh, Onky work. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's just like big muscle man with lots of. I think the next episode we'll have to outbane each other. That'll be quite fun. Okay. <laughs> Try to do silly impressions. I've not heard Bane, uh, I've not heard uh, Dave's take, but uh... I think Chris is going to win this one. Well, I, I actually I've worked on it. And I can actually do it without covering my mouth. So. Oh, can you? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, they did it all. <laughs> Yeah, um, anyway, so uh, that's Bane out of the world. Um, uh, <laughs> it's the freeze created and poison over what makes me laugh is when they team up, but we'll get to that. Um, so where do we go from there? Uh, well, basically, yeah, there's a, like, so Ivy's created, we get to uh, freeze and he's making his gang sing a song, which is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like we get introduced to his to his like. It, it does make me wonder, like, you know, like all these Batman villain things. Like, how do they get these henchmen? Like, how's he paying? Like, how well is he paying them to do all this crap? For him? <laughs> like, you, like, like, like Two Face last week. Like, oh, you like have to be in my gang, but you kind of have to dress like a tit, <laughs> and and you'll probably die because I'll probably kill you because I'm that crazy. You know, it's like how do you how do they get people to work for him? I don't know, particularly when you got to live in a fucking icebox. Yeah, as well, it can't be appealing, can it? But um, yeah, so the, the, there's that. So we get, but, but we get introduced to um, his wife. Get more of a, a story on on that, really. Uh, and yeah, Ivy kills her her boss, uh, and then uh, and then teams up with Bane, and then we. Uh, we get and then Barbara arrives at uh, at oh, Wayne Manor. Hell, what is this about? I mean, I, I, I... I just love it. She says, "I'm from England," and I'm thinking, "Really, Valley Girl?" <laughs> really? What I also love is she hasn't changed out of her school uniform. I mean, <laughs> you got to get to London, probably, maybe Manchester, but certainly a major city in this country. And fly over there. I don't know where Gotham's is. Let's imagine it's a stand-in for New York. You yeah, it's that area, isn't flight. it? Well, let's say it is. If it is New York, for example, you're looking at probably an eight-hour flight now. Plus, you've got to get to the airport and check in and everything else. So, you know, from the very thought... If she lived quite near to London, from the very thought of doing it to doing it, if she had the money on it, uh, is, you know... 12, 15 hours, probably. And she's still in her uniform. And, hi! 
I'm from. Uh, it reminded me of Blackadder, uh, Blackadder's Christmas Carol. Nine. I am from Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's some implication. It's like this. It's like, un- like Uncle Alfred, like the old family friend, but it's implying that he's actually her father, really. Because it was like, uh, an yeah, because old... he's totally in love with Barbara's mum. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. She's turned up. She's escaped. She's basically run away from school in what Americans think a British school uniform looks like. And I have to say they're not miles off, to be fair. Um, but it's the Oxbridge Academy, which is clearly uh, mixing Oxford and Cambridge and Academy to imply smart. Well, it's just their shorthand, isn't it, really? Well, it's just she's really smart yeah. and cares for Alfred. So instead of being related to Jim Gordon, she's related to Alfred. So she's Barbara. I don't think it's Pennyworth, but whatever it is, Barbara Wilson. I think it yeah, was. Yeah, no, because a uh, 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 father, like uh, a, mo- a mother, married someone else. So yeah. you, you're left assuming that he's the father, but there's some sort of like thing of like yeah. The next few decades, knocking one out a lot. <laughs> um, okay, so she gets to stay at Wayne Manor. Alfred's not very well. And then we get to the telescope, which will have nothing to do with the end of the film, obviously. Yeah, there's a, there's a press, conf- press conference. Some wonderful, some wonderful, important role uh, acting and uh, character development from Elle McPherson. Yeah, she, she, her character is vital to this film. I can't, I can't I see can't, it. I can't see a film existing without her in this. Um, to be honest, I've got not a word to say about, against her. It's not her fault in the slightest. Oh no, I mean like it's a nothing role. There's literally she. I think she's in three scenes in total. What's the third thing? Because I remember her in this scene where she's, you know, and he's he's uh, talking about this telescope. We'll get back to that in a minute because there's a point to that telescope. And I remember the dinner they have at Wayne Manor mm. where you see an ivy. What's the third? I generally cannot remember. I do remember that this this is how impactful her role is. Like I generally cannot remember specifically. You know, there's. I know. I I remember. I remember. I remember. Because I've watched, I watched, I had to watch it a couple of times, and I remember sort of thinking that same thing. For hang on, is it? She only like she like she's not even it for the since she only, she didn't like what for two scenes. But I remember uh, popping up towards the end. I don't know whether it's just before the climax or just afterwards. I think it's just afterwards when they're wrapping up. But um, yeah, um, it's she, not. She might be there at the end when he gets. It, 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 yeah, but, it's it's yeah. not that like. Memorable. Um, so now, uh, Pamela Risley has turned into Poison Ivy, yeah. um, gathered Bane, and headed for Gotham to meet Bruce Wayne to go on about how like plants are dying and shit. Yeah, and he's talking about a tele, and he said we had to shut them down because Doctor Woodrow or oh, it was Jason Woodrow, was it? Yeah. yeah, it is Jason Woodrow. He uh, shut him down because he was nuts, which I think we saw proof of that, and. They're showing off a telescope which can basically redirect the rays of the sun around the world. And he says something about don't point it at my bedroom because he's so fucking like, what a lad. And he also says, um, she says something about marriage. And it's the one part of the film where I just go, God, he's terrible in that scene. Uh, marriage? Uh, uh, what? Uh, 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 marriage? I, 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 I just thought, well, that's just George Clooney 
real life, isn't it? He's basically just being well, George Clooney. That's what he thought at the time, but I'm <laughs> sure he could convince me that he wasn't. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she comes off as totally nuts in that scene. Um, why she doesn't just use her fucking, you know, pheromones to convince him or something, I don't know, but she doesn't. Uh, what else? We've then got... Uh, where did we go from that? Oh, from the press Did we go to the charity event from there? Yeah, it's um, it is basically like sort of they they, they set up this charity event with this batch because they they figure out that Mister Freeze using uh, diamonds. To, diamonds. They work. So they want to lure him out. Um. So because the Wayne Diamond is one of the biggest in the world. Mm-hmm. So they they do this fundraiser uh, to kind of entice Mr. Freeze and they'll say Batman and Robin will be there. Um, which, okay. I, I guess if you want to entice Mr. Freeze, you want, want to say Batman and Robin won't be there. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> that might seem as a bit of a, a like, a, a, an enticement for not going. Uh, but, yeah. So, Bat Ivy then gate crashes it and then, like, sort of spreads a little... Fairy dust. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is this where they have the um, auction? Yes. Though I can't remember anything about the auction. All I remember is they bid for her and uh, Dick and Bruce are bidding against each other. And he says, you haven't got any money. And Dick replies, I'll borrow it from you, which is just, that's supposed to be spiky dialogue. It's rubbish. Um, And when he says five million, six million and all the rest of it, he gets out a Batman credit card. We're yeah. good through forever. <laughs> Never leave the cave without it. And, and I love that when you think about Batman, however, you know, whatever the take on the character. I, Product placement. There, but there's an element of fear. There's supposed to be. He's scary because you're not quite sure what he is. And he strikes out of nowhere. Him stood around it like a party. Doesn't really work. Well, this is more the... Um... The Adam West Batman now, isn't it? We've kind of gone away from the dark and scary. I mean, you know, we could even say that the Burton films, he wasn't, he was, he, he moved away from that a little bit. Then, but now even Schumacher's universe, and now it's a little bit, and now it's all very sort of. But with special guests, Batman and Robin. Yeah, it's all sort of. Hey, this is for kids, you know. So there's no room for any of this sort of dark kind of like. I I I I am the knight, kind of. I am justice. I you know sort of like. Freeze yeah. does, crash it, and yeah. he does get captured, and ends up at Arkham in like a frozen beam. Yeah, uh, there, there's there's more tension with Robin with like Batman not trusting Robin because Robin's yeah. been too overzealous. That's so right. He kind of it was all part of that chase because he disabled the Redbird, didn't he? Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> thrilling, thrilling. Okay. At the same time, Barbara's taking place in like a, a part in street races. Yeah. Bikes. Just, just because to prove that she's like Cape Walls doing something spunky. Yes. This is I, 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 I don't know what that says about her character though. With the fact that she like sneaks out. It's like okay, so what's that mean? She is she got this kind of like. I suppose if anything, I think it's, it's just... I think it's suggestive that she's got the skill set to be a superhero. Well, probably, yeah, that, that's more likely. That's more unlikely. <laughs> it obviously does. 
Mm. Yeah, okay. So, uh, at the same time, we work. they work out Alfred's dying of McGregor syndrome. Yes, Which... the, the very thing that Freeze was working to cure. Yeah, working to That's find a cure handy, for. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a real thing? No, no, of course no, not. No, no, no. But having said that, when you look at like, or... well, we covered Star Trek, didn't we? It... When you look at the last series of the Next Generation, Picard had irremotic syndrome, which is clearly meant to be some version of Alzheimer's. Mm. Doesn't matter what this is, frankly. It's just a, it's an illness that's going to rob him with vitality and kill him. Yeah, it's this named after one of the producers of the film, I think, uh, McGregor syndrome. Yeah, something very so. Um, yeah, so yeah, Mr. Freeze is uh, in the slammer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's in the cooler. My name is Freeze. I learn it well. For this chilling sound of your doom. <laughs> I think that's meant to be your doom, not your doom. It's the chilling sound of your doom. <laughs> oh, of the doom. You know, uh, he's crap in that scene. I know he's got an accent, and I know he's not always bad, but he's bad in that scene. Um, yeah, well, every- let's face it, who, who's pretty good in this? No, I know, he's broken out by <laughs> Bane and Pamela. Yeah, um, yeah, Poison Ivy uh, shows up. up. Yeah. Because a world encased in plants and a world encased in ice, totally compatible aims. Mm, well, the idea oh, is freeze... Freeze to kill off humanity with his ice powers and then leaving the rest of humanity. Oh, and then he'd like it nice and tropical. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work, Chris. I know, I know. I'm just explaining what the plot says, that's all. Well, he might uh, be hardy perennials, you never know. Winner. Yeah, he can go and live in the Antarctic, it'll be fine. <laughs> so Bruce is telling Dick, trust me now, because he keeps seeing her and all the rest of it, and they're in love with him. Robin then goes off to meet her, and she kisses him. And this is the line. I've got to give a shout-out to Alex Shaw, who was... It was Digital Gonzo at the time. It's now a school of movies. Hang on, haven't you, like, jumped ahead? Where have I jumped from? Like, this is a bit, this is a bit of rubber lips. Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's like, towards the end. Because if, if, you know, if, if Ivy kisses him, he's dead. Yeah, but Yeah, but she doesn't kiss him, does she? Okay. Well, she does kiss him, sorry, and he is protected. Yes, no, that that is towards that. Because he puts that, a condom on his lips. That that is towards the end. Okay, I thought we were getting that way. <laughs> you, I was oh, hoping no, no. we were getting yeah, that way. No, I was going to say. I was going right. to say. No, we have a bit more plot too. I'm, I'm afraid. Okay. But please, um, um, please share with us this plot. Okay, well, they escape um, Arkham, uh, and they and they jump and they jump uh, a, fe- a very hefty foot. Into water, which would probably kill any human, um, and basically Batman. All I remember is like there's um, the CT footage of uh, of of Ivy and Bane working together, and then they show him this picture, which just looks so crap. Like it's like Bane in like this like coat and hat, like trying to look like into, into, yeah, yeah, because he fits in perfectly. <laughs> it just looks really, really fucking. But it's, but it's not only just that, it just looks how it's like completely just like photoshopped. Like it's, it, it just looks really, really, yeah. really fake. It doesn't um, look great. So. No. Um, but, there, but there's a bit about like the, you know, the, uh, but in that they, they, they find obviously uh, Freeze's wife 
Uh, and then there's a whole thing with uh, Ivy comes in and ah uh, yeah yeah she and she, she she unplugs him and then like and then like they, she escapes. There's a bit more tension with Robin because like she entices him and then Batman says no because he because apparently uh, Batman is less susceptible to her charms for some reason. Probably because he's Robin, older. Yeah. Man. Some shit. Well, because he's more of a man. Um, Did Roberta Orsi write this? No. <laughs> All right, carry on. Sadly not. <laughs> is this where the kiss happens, or is that later? That's later on. Later uh, on. And uh, yeah, there's a bit more of like you know, sort of nice scenes with Alfred and Batman. I think that, you know, there's, there's a few nice things with Alfred because there's the whole looking back on when, when his parents were shot and him kind of looking after him, and there's nice sort of sort of nice sort of emotional goodbyes and things like that. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So basically. Freezy blames Batman. We are getting towards the end, don't worry. <laughs> we are zip pipe, zip pasting towards the end. So this could be a short podcast, folks. And I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be zipping along to the end as quickly as Batman zips are, along that yeah. dippy. Yes, yeah, zipping along. Robin wants to split up uh, because he's like sick of Batman holding him back, and he's in love with Ivy. They basically, uh, fight over poison yeah. ivy, don't they? Yeah, and uh, Robin like wants a new signal. He wants his own signal. Uh, yeah, why? But, who knows? Because <laughs> he, 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 he wants to break free from Batman. He wants to work on his own. So he wants to be like his own thing. Um, which I think that's, that's incorporated with the uh, imagery, isn't it? There's, there's a new thing where they put the, the, bat, the Robin signal and the Bat signal together. So it yeah. kind of comes like... Um, so... Yeah, uh, and then they have a him and Bruce have a one-on-one chat about like no, no about trust and like I'm asking you to trust me and it's like kind of goes oh, okay then fine everything's all hunky dory. Well, we um, don't know for certain, do we? Because when he goes off to meet um, Ivy, yeah, we don't know that we don't know that he has agreed. Well, he yeah he goes alone, doesn't he? Go, go, initially yeah, he goes he alone, and then there's like uh, the thing where we kiss him and he goes oh Paul. Poor bird boy, or whatever it, or whatever she says, and he's like, "Nope, I'm playing. I'm wearing rubber lips." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the line I was on about. That um, now um, he wears like protection over well one lip actually, because he pulls it off one lip. But anyway, he's got a condom on his lips, if you like, as protection. <laughs> Not the thing so he'd be screwed if she goes like, "All right then," and just snogs him. <laughs> Yeah, tongue. <laughs> I was going to say, he's still totally at our mercy. But what made me laugh is the line. And the thing is, I, don't, I, I never thought about it at the time, but like I said earlier, Alex Shaw pointed out the obvious line there is, my lips are sealed. They didn't do it. He came up with, what a line this is, rubber lips are immune to your charms. <laughs> That's mm, fucking dreadful. Maybe because his lips aren't sealed. Oh, well, it, it, well, it's it's dumb either way. I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of think, well, his lips aren't sealed, but neither's rubber lips. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they can't come up with a you know appropriate pun. I, I think they just try to come up with pun every opportunity. Yeah. And just like, oh, oh, what we got, what we got, uh, shit. Okay, that'll do. Uh, so yeah, and then Batman breaks in, but they both get, uh, you know, tangled up. As a man to speak. But lucky for them, and this is while all this is happening, Barbara gets. Uh, well, get... she cracks the world's hardest password, obviously. 
That's a very 90s trope, isn't it? That kind of she computer gets, hacking. I know. She gets into the cave. And typing literally, you're like... Peg. Peg is the password. Three letters. Peg. But the other thing is, uh, Alfred has programmed his brain algorithms. In other words, he's created a virtual reality him in the style of Max Headroom. I was going to say, it looks a bit like Sledgehammer. Well, that, that, uh, that would imply that, like, he would die then, because then... If you're going to have like a Max Headroom Alfred in the thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he dies then. This yeah. algorithm can create outfits and everything. And the I'm other thing is, it, it worries me, of. it really worries me that this old man it knows Barbara's size. He's been having a really good fucking look, hasn't he? <laughs> I sized you up. I, 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 yeah, I just, I just like the idea. Yeah, yeah, it's it, rubber boobs. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, this is bad. No training. It was like, well, I anticipated you thought to jo- you'd want to join in, so here's a, here's your suit. And and I love that like thing. Take me up, Alfred. I like I like that Rubber thing in uh, movies where in computer screens where they project on on someone's face. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, it's always the weird. wrong way round as well. In that it's the right way round if you take my meaning. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so. She uh, she comes in and uh, she beats Ivy because uh, you know she's a woman. So obviously she um, films it upside down on her belt, but the right way round. Yeah, so that's brilliant. You get the film angle of that later. And then she goes something about her being comp- compost and giving women a bad <laughs> yeah. name. Yep. <laughs> and uh, all that like as a nod to kind of like the PC brigade almost because she's like, oh, oh but what's she going to that girl, that woman? She goes, oh, that's not very PC. How about that person? Yeah, fucking terrible. Anyway. What made me laugh also with uh, all her bunking of schools made her really good at martial arts. Mm. Shit. <laughs> and the other thing I love is they were going to go with like a, they were going to go with um, like a proper cowl to start with, and of course they went with like the little fucking domino mask. And it made me laugh when Alfred sees her and she's going, "It's me, it's Barbara," and it's like it no fucking shit. <laughs> I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. It's like... Like, you can't put two and two together as well. It's like, hang on, she's dressed almost exactly like us. I wonder who it could be. Do you think it might be Alfred? (laughs) Well, given she's got a load of, like, bat-paste paraphernalia, which can only come from that one place, yeah, I mean, who else could it be? Yeah. But anyway, that's fine. But I'll say... so obviously Alfred likes uh, d- likes respect to uh, Batman's uh, vision to work alone. It's like, oh, just let everyone willy nilly. Yeah, it's fine. Just you brilliant. Know. Well, you, well, you've expressed an interest, and I've looked at your tits. I know your size. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Away we go. Yeah, it's like you think, you think maybe Bruce and to that extent Robin might want to have a a say in it. Like, oh no, it's fine. You, you know, just just yeah. Fuck off, you stupid old man. I love Alfred but like I wouldn't love him so much if he was like taking it on himself like this I I know he gets I know there's like the the big thing in the the first Batman film where he just lets Vicky into Batcave but literally he must do it in every single fucking film doesn't he yeah I know but that might you could at least argue that might be for the best in the first one but you can't argue that here it's stupid well, uh, and then where do we go from there? They, uh, he's so. Don't we go to the whole final fucking? Yeah, no. we go to uh, the, uh, the the 
the not not the satellite the uh, the auditorium where the uh, telescope is, and that's what Freeze is going to use to freeze Gotham with. Yeah, um, I like the fact that it, it's really urgent. Batman and Robin and Batgirl have only got time enough to go home and switch on, switch to new suits and a uh, and a new set of vehicles that might involve uh, promoting toys. Yes, because that is very important. It's piss poor, really bad. Did, and did, the argument. Do you was, not like this, Dave? The argument was it was supposed to be some <laughs> Can you kind tell? of like it was supposed to like be anti-freeze. Pardon the pun, kind of suit, but it is obviously an opportunity to put them in something new that you can sell, and it looks ridiculous. He's just got all these white flashes on his outfit, and they get there, they drive over ice, but it's supposed to be them driving over an iced up Gotham, but it looks like them driving on like a white floor in a studio. It looks awful, and they get to the Gotham Observatory where he's using the he's supposed to be using those that. Um, He's supposed to be using that device to freeze the world, isn't he? No, no, he isn't. He's freezing Gotham, and they're going to use that device to unfreeze it by getting the sun from, like, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> from Australia. Right. Yeah, so um, they, so they're on the way, and uh, Batman, they, they both zip eye up, but they're... Yeah, they've, bit... got about, they've got about 600 metres worth of... Um, stuff in their belt <laughs> and they zip wire up but uh batman and batgirl no, sorry Bat- robin and batgirl f- uh, fall uh and then they left to fight bane in the easiest way possible and a very elaborate easily escapable exotic death yeah it was basically it's like oh no we'll just kick one of those wires out and then yeah he's done uh and then and then they, uh, Batman gets up to the top and has a fight with uh, Freeze. Um, beats Freeze, but Freeze just, uh, blows up the uh, uh, what you call the the telescope, meaning that he can't un- undo what he's already done. So, with the help of Batgirl, because she's now tech savvy and not Robin, um, she hot wires uh, the computer to get the satellites to kind of. Beaming the rays into Gotham, unfreezing everyone, and Batman appeals to Freeze to his good nature, saying, "You were, you were a doctor. I didn't, I didn't. You know, he had, he had a convenient uh, video recording of Ivy's confession as well. He did, um, <laughs> and it was the right way up, even though it was filmed upside down. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, it's back computer, isn't it? You know, it's, you know, smartphones oh, can do that, can't it? Uh, so, and." Yeah, he go. He you know, first had to go like after like finding out he's been betrayed. He uh, he he gives uh, Batman the antidote and says like, "Take two and call me in the morning." It's probably my favorite line in the film, but still a really good pun, I think. And then that's pretty much it. I mean, Mister Freeze. Oh, they go, they go back to treat Alfred, don't they? Yeah. And everything's... What makes me laugh about that? I I, I noticed it first time I saw it, which is un, unlike me. Um, Robin is wearing his original suit by mistake back at Waiting Manor. Really? Yeah, he's wearing that sort of red version of Nightwing outfit back at the thing, so they put him in the wrong stuff. Alfred makes a fucking miracle recovery. Like, just in one no, day? No, re- no recuperation period, just bang on straight away. And then they talk about, you know, family. 
partners. Yeah. And it's all one big happy family. Um, but before that, before they run off towards the camera, kind of bat signal, uh, yeah. we get the wrap-up of uh, of Mr. Freeze in prison. And he's going to work on the cure while in prison, now kind of pretty much fully reformed. He's pretty much like happy with himself. He's like... Yeah, but hang on, don't they put him in with Ivy? Yeah, they do. And which kind of made me think I'm going to, you know, which kind of makes me think, so... What Surely exactly? that's a rape risk in prisons. <laughs> like, I mean, what's he going to do? Just beat her up? In with women, do you? Well, the idea, the fact that he's that, he's that angry and pissed off of her. Yeah, so, he's like, ah, you're going to get your comeuppance now, and it's like, surely they keep a fucking eye on these so people. So does that mean like every day he's gonna, just going to pound the shit out of her? Like, with I don't know. Like, it's like, hang on, this can't be fucking like you know. So given that he's now like Riddler, like Riddler was at the end of the last movie. Like she's pretty much like gone do lally. Uh, you know, it's it's just okay. It's just... Oh, it's just bollocks, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Um... I see if he's having waning. So, but there there isn't really much to just talk to talk about. We we've gone through the film kind of like as it is. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll just do my final thoughts very quickly. Uh, it's a difficult film to critique just because it is irredeemably bad. Even when you talk about something like Superman 4, you can talk about the budget. You can talk about the, the compromises that were made. They threw a massive budget at this, gave it to a guy who'd had a big hit with a Batman film only two years before, put into the role uh, a man who was the hottest thing in American television and had had a couple of breakout hits in film as well. Um cast a supermodel, cast one of the biggest stars in the world in Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uma Thurman was reasonably big news around this time, and they've produced this, and there's absolutely no excuse for it. The only thing I can say in its defence is, I think they made the film they set out to make. Whereas you look at something like Superman 4, and it's horrendously compromised by circumstances. So, it's a difficult film to critique. Whenever you come to something like this, it's so bad that if you just rant about it for two hours, it's just the easiest target in the world. But it's difficult to critique because it's a bad film. You can't you can't sit there and treat it like it's some serious, wonderful piece of work. It's terrible. Um, the one plus of this film is it killed the franchise. Um, had it been a Batman Forever, we'd have got a Batman 5 in like 1999 or 2000. And it would have been Batman um, Unlimited or whatever it would have been. It would have been, right. been like all of them. It probably it, would have gone the way of like Star Trek, for example, and then kind of ended, you know, maybe, well, like, like we have done kind of early 2000 and then reboot again maybe 10 years later. Um, but yeah. I, I think, that, you know, we kind of, it has to reach its dying of the yeah. day before we can you get a casino royale. I have to do something where, and the thing yeah. is, we have to remember, I mean, die another day, unlike this, although it did okay, this film. It did less than twice its budget, which isn't mm. good enough these days. Um, right. But you look at Die Another Day and it's by any measure of success. Unadjusted is, uh, unadjusted and adjusted, it's the most successful Brosnan film. So you can't argue with it. But the no. producers looked at it and looked at the backlash and looked at the reviews and just said, this can't... Not only can this not endure, but there's nowhere we can go with this. Whereas this was forced upon them by the law of diminishing returns. It's like, this is done over 100 million less 
than the film two years before. And it's got a toxic reputation. And, you know, it took years. We'll talk about it next week. But it took years of them planning different ideas before they finally went, ah, yeah, that's it. That what That's what we'll do. Very like Superman Returns, but with a better result than Superman Returns. Um, I'm glad this was as bad as it was in hindsight because it, it created the conditions to give us a better Batman film. And possibly, I'm not saying Batman Begins is my favourite, but it is the most Batman film of this series that, that we're going to cover, and I'm very fond of it, so I'm pleased for that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad this film exists just to take the piss out of and just because it led to the conditions that gave us mm. Nolan. But there's I, no doubt it's one of the worst films we'll ever cover. I, I agree. I mean, I remember there was, um, there was like one of the questions, sort of like, what do you think is the most important superhero uh, movie? And... This one does spring to mind, and albeit it might be for the wrong reasons, but I think without this, you are absolutely right. You would not get probably the Batman Begins, but also is what else did that spark off? I mean, you got to think about the other films, other franchises that came off the back of it. I mean, this was kind of seen. It did. It made money, but it was. The zine as a critical failure and almost a, it's as a, pretty an embarrassment. So the reaction was kind of like, right, okay, well, let's not do this again. So you, from Batman and Robin, you start to get better, better like comic book films. You get Blade. You get, uh, you, you get uh, Spider Man, um, Hulk to a lesser extent. I know that doesn't have its fans, but it, at least it, it had its. Attention's in the right place. A couple of versions of Hulk, don't we? It, well, no, yeah. uh, you are talking Hulk about the Ang Lee Hulk. Yeah. The very fact you hire Ang Lee. Um, mm. and you, that was a major disappointment for me. Well, I mean, it, it's not about how the film turned out. It's about the fact that ambitions have changed since you were giving it to Joel Schumacher and making sure. these cartoons. You can you see what they were aiming for. Off. It will either we, we are if if this had made a billion dollars, which is exaggeration. Can you imagine how shit comic book films would have been like yeah, for at least is, five had years? This made enough money, they'd have carried on. They want money first, but if they can't guarantee themselves money, let's at least try to get artistic credibility, and that's what the failure of this film led them to search for. Yeah, it gone yeah. so far at the other end of the scale that, as I say, all credibility had kind of gone out the window, really. Yeah, but I, I just think it was interesting. I think like what well, what was the next comic book film you came after? It? I think it was Blade, which was like another Blade mark. Was the following year. But yeah, if you, if you think mainstream, because Blade is like mm. an adult comic, isn't it? Uh, X Men was two thousand. Oh yes, X Men. Jesus Christ! But yeah, that again, that was that, a... that 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 again had taken on yeah a, a different tone. A kind of well, a, in air quotations, like darker sort of tone. Again, you know, it, I mean, they tend possibly... to... yeah. Sorry, go. On. I would say just in terms of like sort of the costumes and obviously the casting, it was kind of they. I think that that was a kind of a, a better blend of seriousness, but also retaining its comic roots, if that makes sense. It does, but I think what I would say is that Marvel, the Marvel Studios, I mean, is leading to these films not dating that way only because we've had ten years now, nearly we're at nine years since Iron Man uh, of these films embracing their comic bookness, but still managing to be relatively serious and fit in that sort of, you know, emotion and stakes and everything else. You look back on the X-Men now, and it looks almost embarrassed to be a comic book, as does the Nolan trilogy, if I'm honest. 
And I think that's now not in vogue. It's in vogue to accept that you're a comic book and embrace the aesthetic of that. Be very but, meta. But the very, but the very fact they went that way tells me that, like, it, it is a bit of a reaction to me to the Batman Robins of this world to go, no, we are worth better than this. Yeah, no one wants to be Batman of, and to an extent, it's like the same argument said for dying of a day, you know. Without Dino, it wouldn't get, wouldn't have got Casino Royale. You know, it, 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 it always be hold to that standard. Like we, I, we will not get another Dino of a day because at, at least in not, in not recent memory, I mean, maybe in like another thirty years where it kind of becomes a bit more distant, and maybe you know, and, and the circumstances might have changed. But, oh, all lessons get forgotten eventually. Yeah. But we're talking like within five years of the event yeah. in terms of this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they weren't going to repeat this anytime soon, were they? No, no, definitely not. I mean, even like the the the, the new ones, like you know, like from Zack Snyder, which are now aren't well received. You know, you know, but they aren't gone this level. <laughs> you, know, you know, what I mean, there is an attempt for a more mature, well, I think darker. E- even even the Zack Snyder films, for all their faults, and I've been on record, I've been recorded on podcasts talking about them. That they have at least demonstrated that you can pick up a comic book aesthetic, put these people in uniforms that look very much like drawn on the paint on you know on the page with all the muscles and everything else, and still give them a very serious tone. And if not serious, you look at someone like Marvel, you can at least buy into the stakes. Whereas around the era of this, and right the way through, like X Men and stuff. It seemed to be you either went comic booky and therefore stupid, mm. or you went like serious and you almost looked to deny you were a comic book in the first place. And I think comic books have matured, and you don't mature by going more sort of, you know, denim and real mm. world. You 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 go you mature by starting to almost like forget about the aesthetics of it and just tell us a story. Yeah, I think it just changes the way filmmakers um, thought about making comic book films, or about superheroes. It kind of goes, okay, yeah, well, we don't need to do the campy stuff, or actually know that the campy stuff is pretty bad. No one really actually likes this. I think I think it's it's not just the campy style. It's the idea that like if it looks a bit ridiculous to you, then play it for all it's worth in terms of jokes. Mm. Uh, whether they're funny or not, and it, and we've seen from Marvel, and to a lesser degree DC, in that they are a bit more serious. Full stop. That it's possible to put these people in very close to versions of their classic outfits, very primary colours, and still have stakes, and still have stories, and still have human drama. And this film didn't understand that at all. And I think Joe Schumacher didn't understand that. He thought, well, if it's a cartoon, it's it's throwaway and the stakes don't matter. Mm. And I do think it's a shame because Joel Schumacher is a nice guy. From what I can tell, I mean, I've never met the man, and, and the, you know that's always the ultimate proof. But he seems decent, and he seems like he tried really hard. And I don't think I, I, I don't hate anyone for this. I don't even hate the studio, but they clearly made a massive mistake. Well, you know, 
to be fair, since Schumacher, I don't think even he... I think I've said it at the top of this podcast. I don't think even he had his heart in this. I don't think anyone had his heart in this. I mean, he was pretty much there being the jobbing director, being told, being told to do what Stewart's asked him to do because in his heart of hearts, he wanted to make Batman Year One. He did say he didn't want to make one so quickly. Yeah, he wants to a make... A second one so fast. Yeah, he, he wants him to do a darker one. He wants to basically do Batman Year One, funnily enough. <laughs> he kind of wants to go that route, you know. Uh, so it's... <laughs> You know, I, I, again, so I think that, that tells in a film, it, t- it tells in performances, it tells in, in just, just in how, and in everything really, how everyone was kind of just showing up to kind of do the job, and that's how you, you get how it is. I mean, it could be campy and and cheesy and naff and all the rest of it, but had like, it had a, it had a, an element of fun, or it, oh, I agree. Or, or, or the campy jokes, we would have probably seen more of these. You know, so you know, but so maybe that's maybe it's for the better that it was this bad because. Yeah, would... I mean, I tend to think if you're going to fuck it up, really fuck it up. I mean, if yeah. Die Another Day had been the world is not enough or Tomorrow Never Dies standard, Pierce Brosnan would have got a fifth film. Yeah, he wouldn't have had Casino Royale. I think. Yeah, exactly. So absolutely fine by me, Becca. What are your final thoughts on this? Uh, first time? No, it isn't first time. You saw it in cinemas, didn't you? But it's a long time. I ago. don't think I've seen it since. It's a long <laughs> time since you've seen this film. Apart from now, um, yeah, it is the film that killed the Batman franchise. Um... <laughs> but also, made a, a better one rose from the ashes. It did. This is a, it allowed the phoenix of the better, better Batman movies to rise from those sad ashes. Um, I mean, it's, oh, I yeah, I, I I do struggle a little bit. It's kind of. I did enjoy previous week's film, but I think this is pretty much more of the same, and it's just it's too much, really. Um, like you say, they had a really good cast, uh, basic people who are basically kind of like flavour of the month, who are then kind of hot right now. Obviously, apart from Arnie, he's perennial star, which is amazing. Um, and people like Uma Thurman as well, um, and Lisa Silverstone, who's you know if, if you. Um, uh, like you know, for a teenage, you know, people are sort of well, my generation, obviously, you know, be sort of teenagers, um, is kind of very much a teen icon. Well, people from my generation, certainly. Um, but yeah, to think of all the cast and everyone involved in this film, and this is what they came up with. And I totally agree with you, Dave. This, you know, to be fair, they did make out the film. They made the film they set out to make. Um, but yeah, this is probably like the worst in the Batman franchise. But certainly in this section of the franchise for me. I mean, I don't know which one I'd rather watch over this or 66. Only in the, Don't get me wrong. It's very simple for me. 66 is better. I don't think you can got, compare it, the two. Well, no, it's got, a, it's got its brain engaged, and it is a bit satirical and everything else. Having said that, uh, as I think we established when we covered the 66 film, both me and Chris were saying that like it's a bit of a difficult watch and that, that something funny will happen, and you'll spend two or three minutes going, this is hilarious. And then 10 minutes later, you realise you've lost concentration entirely. And then something else will happen. And you go, oh, I don't know why I was struggling with this. It's quite funny. And it and it's all over the shop. Um, 66 is a better film than this, which is its closest cousin. Um, that tells you a lot. But it, it doesn't have the brains or heart of that film. And our heart is obvious because you talk about this being product and everything. But brains too, because 66 is way smarter and more satirical than people give it credit for. Which one I'd rather watch, I don't know. But this is the worst Batman film we've seen so far. 
probably will remain that. <laughs> it's lacking. Well, I haven't, I haven't really seen a worse animated bon- uh, Batman film than this. I haven't, and I've seen quite a few. I need to watch more animated films. I mean, I, I hear um, the Phantasm one's good. Mask of the Phantasm is very good. It's a little bit overrated. When I say it's a little bit overrated, don't shoot me, listeners. It's purely that it's been so overpraised that when you watch it, you can't stop but be disappointed. Under the Red Hood's really good. Um, that, that's worth seeing. And that, that's, that's kind of an image and incarnation of Batman that I really want. Whereas I always thought the animated series was close, but no cigar. I, did, I kind of didn't like it that much. Batman Year One I really like, both as a cartoon and a book. Um, and I, I can remember. I've not seen it just yet. Batman Year One's worth watching. It's quite a good representation of the, the comic book, actually. In terms of just comic books, my favourite is The Long Halloween. Okay. Um, that's worth a look. I'd love to see like a TV series of that, like a ten part. Well, actually, it would be twelve part Netflix kind of thing. That's ah, what Netflix, I'd love. if you're listening. They'll never put Batman on the small screen because it's a waste of of a billion dollar making machine. But the Long Halloween is better suited to episodic, um, which will become clear if you ever read it. But Batman Year you One. You might want to develop it, it yourself. You never there, know. Then sell it to Netflix of, for millions. Yeah, there's a lot of Batman Year One in next week's film, and we'll come to that. Um, but yeah, I've never seen any worse Batman than this, and it's got nothing to do with bat nipples. Even though I think that's a mistake, it isn't purely about aesthetics. It's purely about there's something glorious. It's the same with Diana today. There's something glorious about so many smart people with good records. Unironically making such a producing a shit film, you just go, Well, that's amazing. Did this not occur to any of you? This is crap. I mean, at least with Superman, you know, Superman 4, their budget was cut, and you had Christopher Reeve going, This isn't going to be very good. I don't know before they wrapped whether they realized how bad this was going to be. I've got a fun fact pertaining to that. Cool, let's get to that then because we've done our final thoughts, Becca. Tell me, give us some facts about this movie. Bad facts. Theme tune. With Becca Andrews. Bad facts. <laughs> Bad fact number one. This film ranked number one in Empire's 2010 list of 50 worst movies ever. Well, Bad that's, no, that's no surprise, really, given him pop no. culture. Uh, I know they recently did a... Was it last year? They did a 100 films best ever. I don't think this film... Featured on it at all. It's not going to be the best, though, no. <laughs> no, I'm not sure if they've done a worst film since. Can you imagine um, the uproar if this was like number eighty-seven? <laughs> see, I always, I always draw, the, I always draw the line. Whenever I say worst film, if I were to talk about this one, I would use words like mainstream and big budget or blockbuster or Hollywood or something, because there are worse films than this made every freaking week. Was you know, it? there are films that don't even make sense. What there aren't. Are films that cost you know nine figure amounts like a hundred million dollar plus have Hollywood A listers in it, have uh, directed by people who've directed Oscar winners, not necessarily Oscar winning films, but Oscar winners. In the Joel Schumacher did Falling Down with Michael Douglas, who won for like fucking Wall Street. So um, there are very few films. Of a film of this profile and budget released in the height of summer by a major studio, yes, it might be one of the very, very worst. 
but there are worse films released at least once a month. I'm, I'm, I've I heard today that um, apparently Woody Allen said to Joel Schumacher after after he was saying like, "Oh, I thought I think I've made one of the, the worst film ever made," and he's like, "No, that would have been an achievement. You've not even done that." <laughs> so, ouch! Uh, no, I've seen worse films than this. Yeah. What I haven't seen is worse films with this ambition and money and everything else. Superman 4, for example, is way more incompetent. But it's as its budget slashed by over 50% right before you film it. it. It's made by a bunch of cheapskates. This is a Warner Brothers film. Warner Brothers is prestige. This is a Batman film. Only th- two episodes, three episodes earlier, you have one of the biggest films of all time, and the previous one was a big hit. In George Clooney, you've got someone that Warners were trying to position as the next Clint Eastwood. And I don't mean in style. I mean they were trying to fashion a deal on what they had with mm. um, uh, that you do all your work for us, we'll make you a star, and you may even get to direct. Yeah, very like they've got with Clint Eastwood. Um, Chris O'Donnell was topping a lot of like teen lists, you know, sexiest male and all that kind of thing. Alicia Silverstone was quite hot off Clueless, um, so on. You can go on all you like here. Arnold Schwarzenegger, pretty much he was hot right now. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger is. I mean, if if the world ended tomorrow, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the top ten biggest stars we've ever had. In yeah. Film. Whether you think he's any good is irrelevant. He was massive and everything he did was big news. Um, And they've made this. So is it one of the worst films of all time? No, of fucking course it's not. But is it one of the worst big studio, big budget, big tempo releases of all time? Yes, it very much is. Probably one of the worst misfires or missteps. Well, yeah, because no one expected this to be that bad till it came out. Mm. Nobody expected the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) What fact are we up to, Becca? Fun fact number two. This is the only Batman film so far in which the love interest doesn't find out that Bruce Wayne is secretly Batman. Well, that's because it didn't do fucking anything with her. That's well, no, exactly. That's because there wasn't really so much to do with the love interest, really, was it? He was never there. <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. This is the only film in this four-film series, turning the page, in which none of the villains are well, covered no, with Batman Rachel or his allies. In the next series... And in this full film series, anyway. No, you no. But the point is, even in the next series, well, Miss Kitka knows. No, she doesn't actually. Sorry, no. but certainly in the next three, um, Rachel finds out, yeah. and his only other love interest, Tally Rogul, knows. And Catwoman. Yeah. So a- actually, certainly within within like Batman. Yeah, they, they all. Batman Catwoman returns, finds out from Bane, so yeah. yeah, they all know. Yeah, so it's just in this full film series that that she is blissfully ignorant, only because we don't see enough of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, the only film so far she in probably, the series... She probably did know, I mean, come on. <laughs> it was our McPherson, after all, you know. Yeah, so yeah. none of the villains are killed by Batman, or as allies, you all end up in the clink. For those listeners who were very young, Sirens. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to really know that. Is that a recommendation of you, Dave? To sort of... It's a recommendation. Oh, okay. Carry on. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, and fun fact number four: George Clooney has been known to refund Paul for this film by way of apology. I, I actually seriously doubt that one. I think that's probably like what, <laughs> he probably did it once. Did, he probably did, did it once as a joke. 
with him once where he did actually mention well, that. I don't like, imagine. Well, he wouldn't seek people out, would he? Because this film made well, $38 So if he, he bombed into everyone who ever seen it, he'd be bankrupted many times over. He but I do he, know that when. I have read an interview where he has confirmed this fact. So. Yeah. When people mention to him that they've seen it, and if they are in any way negative, he will offer them their money back. Yeah, he would say, oh, here's your three pounds, whatever it was back that you spent. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, like, fun fact number five. Does that, does that include like, like the like, how how much it was at the time, or like inflation rate? <laughs> what, what's the... I, I, I imagine he would just hand them ten dollars, and that'll be it. Yeah. To be honest with you. I mean, Chris, how far do you want to go with this? What was the <laughs> back then? How much did you it pay depend, for parking? It depends on what you saw. Right, what would a babysitter cost in 1997? Well, it, it all goes up, you know, it depends. <laughs> I don't know, actually. It's probably... Yeah, it's I like it's like 10, 10 bucks to saw a got. 6 or 7 quid, I reckon. What, it? I mean, what, that, what, 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 what about the date I took I had to pay for? You know, that's all... Because of the drinks, popcorn. Did you get sex? Okay, well, I'll discount it by that amount. I probably enjoyed that. Oh, was you need a 3D movie at the time? Did you have uh, to see it in 3D? <laughs> right, okay. What's the final fact, Becca? The final fact is that obviously there is a Quentin Tarantino connection running through this film and indeed this podcast. George Clooney is in From Dust Till Dawn, written by Tarantino, and yep. obviously Uma Thurman is in Kill Bill, directed by QT himself. And we'll be getting to those movies later on in the series. Well, not this series. We'll be getting to them in the... Well, not, not the series, but later on in the in the podcast as we run along. It is a 2017 series. I doubt we'll finish it this year, but we will get to Tarantino this calendar yeah, year. Can't wait. Is that our bat facts? That's our five bat Cause, facts. Because I, ha- this... I, I have another bat fact. Well, oh. that, that I heard from the find that um, originally the, the first choice for Mr. Freeze wasn't actually Arnie. Oh. It was uh, uh, Patrick Stewart. Really? There is a... Uh, the animated series is something that I've always thought is overrated, and it is something that you see. But I think some of that is the aesthetic you like. I've yeah. never liked the yellow ellipse, and I, I do like a bit of definition and body armour and stuff. But anyway, um, the animated series is the aesthetic that you get in Master of the Phantasm, which was made just afterwards in 1993. But they did a, an episode... I've not seen the Phantasm movies, I must... It's get on... Uh, I was about to say it's on Netflix. I don't think it is. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I don't country. have that, so I probably won't see it. Okay, well, you can get a free month anyway. But um, oh. yeah, I've, I've I've seen it many times, and it's um, it's good. Uh, it's got a very good scene as well when Alfred sees Bruce in the Batman outfit for the first time, and is and the way he's animated is terrific as a response. But anyway, um, um there is an episode in the first series, and I'm probably going to get this wrong because this is off the top of my head. I think it's the first series, and I think it's called Heart of Ice. And it gives you the Freeze backstory. But it's a thinner, obviously still bald, um, foreign kind of Mr. Freeze. I can't remember the accent, but I always imagine him kind of... always imagine him kind of Austrian, funny enough, given Arnie's Austrian. But it's meant to be smaller and colder and a bit more like egg-headish. But you will see it in that episode, which is also on Amazon Prime in this country. Um, I heard about the whole Patrick Stewart thing. I don't care that it's Arnie, because I frankly, if, if you put Patrick Stewart in this film, he might be a better actor, but I, I'm not convinced the film would be any better, would it? Yeah, yeah I think it would have been less punny, I don't think. I think it would have been a different... Yes, because you aim those things at Arnie. Oh, Arnie likes his puns, so chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it. 
Ice to meet you. Is that what you're going to say? Uh-huh. I didn't say it. Ice to see you. <laughs> I'm going to try and get away with this episode without saying it. Let's try and break the ice. Did he even say that? He should have said that. Let's Probably. kick some ice, he yeah. said. Kick some ice. Mm. Like I said, break the ice at parties. <laughs> All right, folks. That's the end of Fun Facts. Uh, social media... Oh, you can find me at Cinematrops on Twitter. Uh, you can also find this podcast at my website at cinematropsco.uk. Uh, hopefully, we'll be uploading more podcasts as well as this one. But uh, yeah, you know me. I'm sure. At very least, there'll be a summer review in about two months. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and, I, I wonder who will be on that day. I, I, I do. Uh... Starring <laughs> a young, uh, a handsome young man. And a handsome young slight, man with a slight West Country accent. Uh, yeah. And a handsome young man with a Northern Oh no, accent. it's alright, I mean Chris, frankly I don't give a shit if you do podcasts every week with other people, I'm not fucking jealous or anything but the fact is, you keep talking about doing interviews with other people, the obvious one would be to do one with Becca, but there you go um, We'll get to the summer you won't have done one since, the, since March and it'll be I'll a, get on it somehow. a review last week, so we'll do one but yeah, Be- Becca will be on the, on, on the Becca podcast Becca will be on, and yeah. there will be a summer review because that's just what we do Yeah Yeah uh, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can find us, dear people, at expect us to talk. You can drop us an email, expect us to talk at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook via the usual means and also on YouTube. Just type in Do you expect us to talk into the search box, you'll find us there. Um, also don't forget to look out for us on iTunes. Just type in Do you expect us to talk? And if you like what you what you're listening to, then leave us a glowing five star review. That helps us to rise up them charts and attract more listeners. And you can also Let's find be honest, us on we're Stitcher. Quite lonely. If you really like what we're listening to, feel free to get in touch and offer sex. Well, it's like what they're listening to, not what we're listening to. They oh, might okay, not like what we're enough. listening to. That's true. I'm thought that through. Anyway, don't forget to leave us a glowing five star review, or even you know, three star review. We'll oh, be happy with Becca, it. Don't say that. <laughs> But you can find us across all the social media. They normally sites. dock a point for me anyway. Apart from Pinterest and Instagram, where we're not on just yet. Yeah, well, you'll find us on Grinder. <laughs> you're on Grindr. If we find do us on Tinder, very as long as you swipe the right way. Informative while we do it. <laughs> as well as dick and fart jokes. Um, indeed. <laughs> Although not fart jokes, because I wouldn't want to give you any ideas in that position. <laughs> Just a dick jokes then. Yeah, just dick jokes. Okay. I'm, I'm sure we can uh, squeeze those in. Oh, I think you'd be amazed what I can squeeze in. I'm not sure I want to know. We are done with the worst fucking era of Batman ever, and I think it's going to be really great next week, which means Becca. Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with Batman Begins. <laughs>